Welcome to Talking Roadmaps, the channel where we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, everything about road mapping. As with any YouTube channel, please do like, subscribe, hit that bell icon, and maybe share it with some of your friends so that they can all hear what we're talking about. Today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Hope Gurion. Hope, introduce yourself. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Phil. I am Hope Gurion, as you said. Uh, I have a little tiny company in the product space called Fearless Product. Uh, I'm a former chief product officer, um, and I spend time coaching product leaders, um, usually first-time product leaders. Uh, I also um, partnered with Teresa Torres of Product Talk, and uh, she and I teach teams how to have continuous discovery as a key part of their product practice. I also have a little podcast called Fearless Product, uh, Fearless Product Leadership. Wonderful having you here. I'm going to start with the softball first question then. What's the purpose of a roadmap? You know, it's a, it's a great question. And when I am coaching new product leaders and they often ask that question, hey, I think I have to do a roadmap or I need your help in coming up with a roadmap. My first question back to them is, why do you need a roadmap? <laughs> and then there, it's funny, I um, had a product leader not too long ago was like, isn't that my job? Like, isn't that what I'm supposed to it, Literally, he was like, I thought that was my like number one job responsibility was to create the roadmap. Um, and once we start diving in, like, did somebody ask you to create a roadmap? Like, is it your CEO? Is it your sales team? Is it your support team? Is it other members within the product organization? Like, who is asking for a roadmap? Is it yourself? Is it somebody else? then we can actually start to answer that question because the reason why that's a solution, right? We need a roadmap. The opportunity or the unmet need that the roadmap is meant to address can vary widely depending on who's asking. So I think that's an important thing that any product leader needs to ask before they just dive in and start creating one. Totally agree. But then, so maybe you can unpack a few of the answers you've received to, to the why then. The first is uh, because we need to know if we can commit to a certain thing in a customer contract that we feel is completely dependent on our committal to deliver that thing. And so that can be more of a sales, it could be a sales rep, it could be a sales leader, but this desire to basically unblock a potential sale, potential agreement, um, to be able to say that is what's coming on the roadmap. Um, the second reason is for internal planning, often the marketing team. Um, we have a communications plan that we want to be able to meet, and we want to have fresh information to populate the content of that communications plan. And so if you tell us what's coming up on the roadmap, we know when we're going to time those communications and what we're going to say so we can plan our internal work. Third variation on that is the support team. We want to be ready to support whatever these new capabilities are. And so we want to be able to work backwards from that release date so that on day one, we can, you know, have everybody trained and know what to say and what's going to, you know, how we need to get everybody ready for supporting the customer inquiries or being proactive about providing training. 
Uh, fourth reason might be because, I don't know, the CEO expects it or the board expects it, and we want to be able to show that artifact in an upcoming meeting. Maybe it's to investors, maybe it's at a company all hands, whatever it is. Like we want to be able to show that and give this illusion of certainty that this is what you can count on expecting. And then maybe the fifth reason is this sort of like accountability um, weapon, <laughs> which is you said you were going to do this thing. And when you don't do it, you're going to hold that against you. So I don't know if that's exactly the top five. And maybe the other is, aren't I just supposed to do the roadmap? Isn't that my job? That might be the other underlying reason. It's interesting. You didn't mention the development organization and that alignment side as well. Yeah. I haven't found that to be as much of an issue. I mean, I think I, I kind of cast out, I, I have four or five different groups. You just added two more. So I think I've just hit six, seven, because I have three external groups. But uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. And let me, maybe it, let me unpack the development organization. It's not to say that it doesn't happen, but here's um, a couple of reasons why it might happen. If the development organization is project oriented, and again, I try my hardest to work with development teams and organizations that are empowered, dedicated, durable teams. So that's not always the case. Um, they are usually trying to in, you know, sort of like almost real time or just slightly ahead of those projects becoming reality, shifting that fungible pool of resources to adhere to the roadmap. And I would also say in those organizations, these uh, attributes tend to go hand in hand. Often the developers have no say in what they're worked on. So like they don't necessarily need to know because somebody's just going to tell them this is the project that was greenlit and you're going to go do it. So in um, empowered, durable teams, they know that the what's going to go on the roadmap is completely fluid and it doesn't matter if there's an artifact that's communicated out. So I just don't often see them as being the what's on the roadmap. Maybe their leadership for resource allocation and org planning of project teams, but that's different than I think the larger development organization. I can follow that logic and understand why. I guess they're either involved in it, they think it's irrelevant, or they're just order takers. Like if, I, if I unpack that, yeah, interesting. So again, we've kind of kind of merged two of my questions off next ask. Who is the audience? Well, we've just answered the audience, so that's great. Well, who owns it and who maintains it then? Typically it's the product team. And this is again where that like, who is it for? What questions are we trying to answer? How much fidelity and when is like, you have to answer those questions first. Otherwise, like, I don't know who's maintaining it, right? Um, and what's the horizon for it? Um, and so one thing that I'll say um, is that the, the what we're going to work on this quarter is a reasonable expectation for people to have, right? Like, we do need to get the support team trained and ready and know why and who we should communicate this to, who's been waiting for this to happen. If there is a sale or a contract that could benefit or be signed because we have now a reasonable set of certainty that we are going to, in fact, be able to deliver some incremental value that could tip somebody over to signing an agreement or preventing 
churn because this is a need that they've wanted solved for a while. Absolutely. And so you want to be able to at least communicate what's coming up in the next. And usually I'm going to say quarter. That's usually when we have reasonable certainty about what solutions are going to be um, solved in the next few months. Um, beyond that, I'm not sure there's much reason. If anything, you might be communicating, these are some of the next problems or needs or desires that we think will be relevant to our customers, but we're not, we have no detail on what those solutions might look like, so we're not going to communicate anything. But if, if people can see that stated as a customer's unmet need, pain point, or desire, or because I work with Teresa, an opportunity, that is something that is helpful for people to have a little bit of a further out view on, but they can't then start communicating what the solution is. And I think that's the risk. When you start to communicate any three to five words on a Gantt chart that supposedly describes the solution, wow, like that is just opening the floodgates for misinterpretation, um, making it up what I think it's going to be, and then creating a lot of consternation and turmoil around, oh, I thought it was going to do this, but it's not that at all. Whereas if we can align on what problems we want to solve later, then we can start talking about the relative importance of solving one problem over another and what what incremental value that might create. This is always one of the, the areas where I struggle on the, the shorter term, like quarters, because I've done a lot of work in, work in the physical product space. And it's going to take two years to deliver the physical product thing that solves the problem sometime. So... How, how does that how does that kind of align with that thought process? Yeah, so and I've done some work uh, with with teams that have either long sort of regulatory approval processes or they know it's going to be like a slow march to try to actually get something adopted or rolled out or it's some sort of hardware software. So I can appreciate the lead times might be different. Most of the teams that I'm working with, it's purely digital or software experience. And so that's where we don't need to. But if you have longer lead times and it really, again, this is where it's like, what needs to happen in those two years? Is it purely go to market education and training, or is it long development cycles because of manufacturing or other distribution, then you might need to have some more certainty. But again, you're going to be saying, well, two years from now is when we expect it to go to market. If you have reasonable certainty about those timelines, then again, it's in the short term, what do we think is going to be getting ready for that sort of go-to-market manufacturing distribution. And again, that's usually in the near term, even if impact to customers might be in the longer term. Okay, so let's step up a level maybe. So we've got this roadmap thing. In fact, you did hint a little bit. If it needs to be created or maintained, I'm going to come back to that one later though. Assuming we've got one, how does it relate to vision, strategy, objectives? How do, how do they link in? So this is, um, again, I, I see these patterns of symptoms going together. Um, usually the teams, and I work with a number of product leaders. I, I, one of the other things I didn't mention I do is I work with a lot of very experienced senior product leaders. I moderate a council for collaborative gain. And we almost never talk about the roadmap. 
And the reason I think is, is because usually when people are fixated on what does the roadmap look like or what does it contain, it's because they have not aligned on vision, strategy, outcomes, objectives, and it's they're using this artifact as a substitute for having made those hard decisions. And so that is where I believe it is much more beneficial if you're going to invest your time in anything that like, what is the vision? Why? Like, what is the strategy? What is the diagnosis? And this is where discovery is, of course, a key component to that, right? How do you diagnose both the opportunity in the market, the opportunity with your customers, your competitive advantage, your core competencies, your coordinated actions, like all of that strategy and aligning on that cross-functionally with your leadership team, marketing, sales, support, other exec finance. If you don't have that clear and you've been able to articulate it in terms of measurable goals, who cares what's on your roadmap? And so that yeah. is much more important and a better use of time for the leaders, including the product leader, including the technology leader, to be clear on because then the roadmap is just one of those coordinated actions and it's something that can actually give a preview of how we intend to solve for those opportunities in usually short term. And again, those other objectives, those other diagnoses in our strategy might be further out opportunities that we might communicate. This might be in the next column or the later column of when we would tackle those. As you talked about kind of going beyond the, the for next quarter, you talked about kind of putting the problems on there. So what are your thoughts about road mapping your discovery efforts as opposed to your delivery efforts? Maybe we're maybe you're saying the same thing, but let's see. Um, what we and of course totally biased, we, we use the opportunity solution tree because that has a view into what customers' unmet needs, pain points, desires we might solve in the future. They're all evidence-based. They came from real customer observations, interviews, evidence, and they ladder up to a desired outcome that is derived from our company's business outcome, but grounded in our customers' behavior, the change that we need our customers to do in order to achieve that business outcome. And so when we talk about other opportunities that we might solve in the future, we have an artifact that can help us communicate that. And it's called an opportunity solution tree. It's not called a roadmap. You could call it a roadmap, but it, it includes a mix of things that we might do, problems we might solve, needs we might address, as well as ones that we may never address. And so you have to understand that this is a living document and that, has, that understanding has to be in the minds of the recipient, viewer, you know, audience of that. And you have to basically set that expectation before anybody sees it so that they don't assume that that means this is all the things we're going to solve. And it doesn't have timelines on it. And they haven't usually been sized yet. Those that usually comes as we're making progress. So it doesn't have the same impact that sort of negative downside of communicating a roadmap, which often creates this false sense of certainty or false sense of timing, but it does give a view into what we might need to address in order to drive towards that outcome as a product team. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the opportunity solution tree. 
I kind of experimented with okay, rolling up the opportunities that I've prioritized onto a roadmap while still maintaining the broader artifact to give that fuller context, you know, almost like a drill down, which I, I, is, a, is something I think could work. Or if... The thing that's missing on a lot of roadmaps, right? What is the objectives? I mean, most roadmaps are what and when, right? And so this is where the why, what is the outcome that we're trying to achieve? What will that lead to as a business for our company it is just not part of most example roadmaps that people create. And I think that is the most important thing to have alignment on, not the what and the when. You've got to have the vision. You've got to have the outcomes that we're driving towards. And then the sequencing flows from it, or at least the best guess of sequencing today, which is you know, probably the reality of it. But I'm going to, kind of, I'm going to come back to that hanging thread now of if they need to create it and maintain it. So that, that almost hinted at, do we need one? Do we need one? That's, that's what I'm going to ask, right? So when any time a product leader says, I have to get a roadmap. Every time I produce a roadmap, people are dissatisfied. I feel like I'm constantly trying new formats. And again, it's usually because we haven't really distilled down the questions for whom that we're trying to answer. Um, and, and often, and I, I, I'm sure you've, you've talked about this, it's different questions for different audiences. So how can one artifact? So usually you're going to create multiple views of that. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example, um, like the marketing team. Marketing team, I've found, can be a great ally to avoid this, I don't know, belief that we have to create an artifact of a roadmap that also goes beyond a quarter, right? So marketing teams often are, they've got customer events they're trying to plan, right? And they have to, they have to plan those events usually farther in advance in person, you know, conferences, what's going to be our talk track. They have to get, they have to start nurturing, you know, relationships with the press and teasing things that they believe will lead to meaningful stories and articles about them, right? So we have all, like the marketing team does need this as much as the sales team, but the marketing team, usually if you talk to them and you say, so you want to have new information to share. We could share, hey, we plan to solve this problem in the future. Maybe that would be a newsworthy story. But a good marketing person, a good communications person would be like, I can't get anybody interested in problems we might solve in the future. What's really newsworthy is if we've in fact solved those problems, we have referenceable customers, we've got testimonials, we've got data, we've got case studies, we've got things that like show and demonstrate and prove that we have solved something so important for our customers, better than their alternatives, better than the competitors. That's what we want to know. And so what I instead do is say, let's talk about what problems we're solving and why and which customers are in our pilot groups and how we're going to measure success. And let's plan for, we're going to be able to use that as the content of our marketing. Those are the people we're going to showcase in whatever customer event or conference or communication that we're going to do in the future. And if you can get the marketing team on your side as a product leader to say, those are going to be the anchors that we're going to communicate out way better for the sales team too, right? Like sales team, it's nice. It gives them maybe some certainty if they haven't been burned by this many times of things not happening as they expect or when they expect. 
but smart salespeople who've been down that road know better. Um, so rather than say, okay, it's going to come on, you know, September 15th, but if we can say, you know, maybe it didn't happen on September 15th, but in October, we've got four reference customers, each recorded a video explaining why this has changed their lives. They've given this testimonial. Here's the data about how it worked for them. Now that really can turn into not just maybe winning one customer who was waiting for that feature, but unlocking many, many new customers who would benefit from in the same way that those reference customers were able to. So that's how I try to shift the conversation away from the roadmap to what do we want to communicate to whom and why is that impactful? Totally makes sense. What else kind of links in and kind of occupies the same space? I mean, again, this is where like we, we do need to make sure that the team not only understands what matters to customers and why that is potentially going to drive value for the company. And that's all the things that we consider discovery. They also need to build solutions that meaningfully deliver on those needs and drive value for the company. And so there isn't a reason for the rest of the company to know what the product team is working on and why, because we need to be able to quickly convert that into that value that we aspire. And that comes from sales. It comes from marketing. It comes from support. Um, but usually we don't need to communicate that far in advance, right? What we need to communicate is when we are ready to take action on it or when we're all, when we have more certainty about the fact that it will in fact deliver meaning value, solve the problems for customers, then we want to make sure that people are aligned and ready to absorb that information and turn it into that value creation. So what I find is most teams, if they set, and the cadence could vary within a company depending on, you know, your cycle times, quarterly tends to work for most people, but maybe it needs to be semi-quarterly, right? Every six weeks or so, um, that we can share, this is what we what we released, this is who it's valuable to, this is how we know it's worked, this is what we expect to release in the next quarter, six-week cycle, here's who's going to benefit from it and why. We usually have prototypes, we've done some sort of testing around that, we have a sense that this will in fact work, and we've got visuals and stories to make it easy to remember. Right? When we just show a roadmap with like three to five words describing a feature with a date a month usually it doesn't help people retain the information when people can see this is the customers this is what they were doing today this is how they've said it's problematic for them this is how we've imagined we're going to solve it this is the reaction of customers to how we're going to solve it this is when we expect to release it then people remember it they retain the information and they can immediately see how to create value from it and so that's why I want my, well, when I was a product leader and the teams that I coach, I want them to put their energy towards that sort of storytelling and communication versus spending a lot of cycle time and iterations on a roadmap artifact. Yeah, I guess it depends what's on the roadmap artifact, which I guess kind of brings me to my next question quite nicely. If we've got a roadmap, what are we putting on it? What are the key elements on it? The why, the goal, this is our 
this is our business objective for the year or for the quarter, right? We want to be sure that we're always aligning it back to what matters to the company. For many companies, that's some sort of derivative of a revenue, an input into the revenue formula, right? We're going to increase our win rate of prospective customers, or we're going to increase contract value, or we're going to increase by upsell or initial contract value, like whatever that clear input into the revenue formula is, is usually the business outcome that could be cost avoidance or something else on more the internal efficiency side. But mostly people want customer facing value, which tends to align to revenue, or we're going to do something to reduce churn or increase our retention rate. And that's the way we're going to extend the lifetime uh, value of our customers. So there's usually that why at the business level, what are the outcomes associated with different product teams? And again, if you have a multi-team product org, which again, the larger the sales organization, usually the larger the product portfolio and number of product teams. So we want to be clear that these are these product teams are working on these outcomes towards this strategic business objective, usually a lagging financial indicator. And then this is the opportunity that they're planning to solve this quarter right? In the voice of the customer so people can remember it and retain it. And then if they have something to share, this is the prototype that seems to be doing the best, or here's a working version of it. Maybe it's not in production. Maybe it's in test. They want, you want to create these visuals to show people what they are. So again, that's off the roadmap artifact, but more likely to be retained and more likely to be useful to the audience. So again, it follows that opportunity solution tree structure, but it's filtered for the opportunities that are being solved in the near term, which is usually within that quarter. Is that one page, five pages? Depends on the number of teams, right? It depends on the number of teams, right? Like you could have that tree structure work its way down, but most people then it becomes useless. I don't actually know what it is. This is why I usually couple it with a ritual of let's talk about what's coming up this quarter. And each team, they link back to the why, and let's tell you who this matters to, why it matters to them. Maybe they've got videos of customers or testimonials explaining the problem. Here's how we're planning to solve it. And if they've been able to do their assumption testing, they see how well it's performing to solve that problem or versus the customer's alternatives, then they're able to show that as well. So again, it's not just the artifact. It's got to be this ritual and communication and visuals that help people see what's coming so they can retain it and they can create value from it. And do you have any preferred tools for doing this in? No, I, I don't. I, most people, you know, if they're doing a presentation, they're taking screenshots out of whatever whiteboarding tool that they like, or they're, you know, using good old PowerPoint or Google Slides. This is the most common one. So, okay, now let's dive into the good the, and the bad side of things then. So what if we, if we take a roadmap, what is best practice when it comes to a roadmap or roadmapping? Best practices, why do you need it? Who is it for? What is it? What question is it trying to answer? And get clear on that. Because I see a lot of um, leaders and teams struggle with this. Uh, I hear this question a lot. Um, I feel like I'm constantly being asked, what is the product team working on and why? And that, you know, somebody in, again, depending on the size of the organization, uh, you know, a, a new hire in the support team 
can't tell us what's on the roadmap. And I, I have to ask, why is that the goal? I get that it creates friction. I get that it it's, you know, annoying maybe that that person in sport doesn't know what's on the roadmap, but I actually think it is more symptomatic of a culture that doesn't, that values trying to create shared understanding at every part of the organization. Nobody in the organization ever has perfect understanding of what anybody else in the organization is working on. So why are we trying to solve that problem? Instead, maybe we need a policy or a principle that says the roadmap, if we're going to communicate anything to you, it is going to be the things that we have certainty about that you can immediately take action on and create value for so that we drive to meeting our company's objectives for the year. And if you're curious, then we're going to have rituals like a quarterly product review that tells you this is what the product team is working on. This is what value they recently created and who benefited from it. And here's the problems they're solving next for whom and why that matters to the company, why that's going to drive the outcomes. And if you don't want to attend that ritual or you forget what was in that ritual, you can come to the next one. But we cannot solve for internal shared understanding for every single person for that level of detail because we will move too slowly. We won't make progress on the things that actually will drive the business forward. Best practices. I guess if I simplify that to keep it short and what we are absolutely sure on, uh, if we need it at all, what's what's bad practice or an anti-pattern? I think the most common anti-pattern is just feeling that you need to produce this artifact that has these, you know, three to five word descriptions of a feature and that, and a timeline, you know, Q1, Q2, Q3, month one, September, October, November, whatever level of granularity we have on the dates and believing that that will in fact address your audience's questions. I think that's the biggest anti-pattern. Have some, some, some thoughts from yourself. Who do you listen to the, on the subject of road mapping? Any of one's advice you kind of hear and listen and take heed of? I mean, I've heard lots of people talk about roadmaps, um, and I feel like the maybe it's totally self-selection, um, but like the ones that I listen to are like Marty Kagan, and you had Rich Miranoff, and and you know Teresa and I talk about this quite a bit that it is not really the most important thing for a product team to worry about and spend their time on. It's low incremental value and usually creates more confusion than it helps. And so again, I think if you can distill down to what are you trying to understand, who is trying to understand that, and what's the best way to communicate that in a way that is sustainable for the product team or the product leader to communicate to that audience, then you've got a winning formula. I have to be honest, I don't remember road mapping been a big activity in my product life. It was like once a quarter, I'm going to spend a couple of hours updating where our current thinking is and share it for, for alignment purposes. I hear some people talking about it being something that like is their main job all week, every week. It's like, why are you doing the real work? That's that's the worry. And I think if you can time box it and make it something that's easily shared here, let me just thin slice what's in our opportunity solution tree right now. And this is what is going to create value in the near term. And here's how you can benefit from it. That 
usually answers the question with more meaningful information and makes it more actionable for people. Now, normally this is where I'd return to asking about any hanging themes, but I think I've done them already as we've gone through. So I'm going to give you the hardball question, the, the one of the first of the two. So if you had to distill your philosophy on road mapping, which I guess you've kind of done, but maybe you'll get it nice and short from that, into one or two sentences, what is it? I don't think you need one, but I do think you need to communicate what the outcome is that you're trying to achieve for your company, whose problems you're trying to solve or whose desires you're trying to solve, what those desires are, what those unmet needs are, and demonstrate the evidence that you have in fact a plan to solve those needs, not just a plan, evidence, assumption test results that you have in fact solved those needs and that the solution is imminent and here's how you can create value from it. And so that is, I think, what you can do. And if an artifact like a roadmap helps you do so, then absolutely you should use one. But I found that most teams can do that without the roadmap artifact. And so then my last hardball question, what haven't I asked you about road mapping that I should have? I can't think of anything. I don't know. I feel like we've we've covered a lot about roadmaps, so I can't think of one right now. So then maybe I'll I'll switch in the softer ball version then of can you tell me of a war story of something that went wrong on a roadmap for you in the past? I guess more so than the roadmap. I've had people more of my war stories have to do with people selling things that weren't on a roadmap. It's not like they sort of pre-sold what was coming soon and misinterpreted it, just sold things that hadn't even been contemplated. And then all of a sudden, we're now having to pivot to deliver a special for one customer and uh, and also not wanting to uh, stop the progress on all the other expectations for what the teams would be working on. Um, and so again, not exactly a roadmap, but it essentially created the need to have this conversation about let's like really look at the organization and everything that they're working on and how do you propose that we're going to do this now that you've signed the contract and that essentially created um uh that was a good lesson learned for our ceo our sales teams and we were able to avoid that happening in the future because we couldn't sell things that didn't exist in the product organization. And so that was a, um, I guess, a, an, an accident, an unfortunate war story that turned into a really good policy that helped us be able to drive value by not getting distracted by a commitment that one person, even the CEO, made. Well, I'm amazed you managed to wrangle that agreement in too many organizations, especially in B2B organizations, Getting to that agreement, it takes a lot of effort. I have got there, but it wasn't just the one time before we got there. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, there, there. it could have been a slippery slope, but when the CEO himself was the one who made the commitment and then had the realization, it became a very easy policy to put in place. Not always easy for the sales team, but a necessary constraint, let's call it that. Hope, it's been absolutely wonderful talking today. I've had a really interesting conversation. And as much as I love roadmaps, I'm not going to fall out with you for not for saying that we don't need them. Um, There's no one way to do product. 
<laughs> Indeed. I, I, in fact, I'm a true believer in that there is no one way. It's all contextual, and therefore we have to find what fits in where we are, how we're doing it. So how really appreciated having you here. Just as always, you know, shout out to everyone. Please do like, subscribe, hit the bell icon if you'd like to sit where hope is and have a chat with us. Do get in touch either in the comments below or by email on info at talkingroadmaps.com. We'd love to talk to you. Hope, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Felgrade. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs>